Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot! And the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. Hello and welcome in Tuesday edition of the program. We did not have a Monday show. I was out yesterday, so we have lots to catch up on today, starting with IU's big victory, a exciting win, really a lucky win for IU football over Western Kentucky over the weekend. Lots of high school football as well to catch up on. Providence, I did not see that one coming. The Pioneers with a huge victory over Charlestown as things rolling for the Pioneers here at the midway point of the season. Uh, but welcome in. Glad to have you with us. We do this show live each weekday at 11 a.m. Complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. And we've got a busy show today. Let's look at the show lineup, a service of Honey Baked Tam in New Albany. Segment one coming up here in just a moment. Cole Hewitt, he's a young baseball standout here in Southern Indiana. He's a sophomore at Providence High School. He's going to join the show because a few weeks ago he made a commitment to Virginia. He's going to be the next player from the area to join a long line of former baseball standouts that have went on to play Division I college baseball. And we'll talk with Cole about his decision and his exciting future at Providence. He definitely is a player to watch here in the area. We've been really spoiled with baseball and so many other sports to have high-level players, and Cole is someone that uh, we'll talk with and keep an eye on here in future seasons. Later in the show, Mike Schumann of the Daily Hoosier is with us. Uh, big news out of IU yesterday. Uh, not totally surprised because there have been some other announcements kind of leading up to this, but beer sales will officially begin at Assembly Hall for the first time ever this college basketball season for both the men's and women's, game, men's and women's games beginning October 7 with Hoosier Hysteria. We'll talk about that, the latest with IU basketball with Mike. Yes, we've got to spend some time recapping things out of the weekend from a Big Ten and IU football perspective as well. As I mentioned at the top of the show, I thought the Hoosiers were very lucky to come from behind and to score a victory over Western Kentucky. And now uh, next up is a solid Cincinnati team. I think the biggest test of the year so far uh, for this Indiana team. So we'll cover all of that more with Mike when he's with us a little bit later in the show today. That's the show lineup, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service is still available as well at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Also, the Thornton's text line is open. Love to hear from you. That number is 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450, the Thornton's text line. Thornton's is the perfect stop for all the best pick-me-up items you need to get your day started, like their fresh coffee and delicious donuts. You can download the Thornton's Refreshing Rewards app today for great offers and savings on fuel 
every day. So shoot me a text, questions, comments, local sports, IU football, basketball, whatever it is. Uh, we'll get them on the air today and each and every day here on the program. Final reminder here at the top of the show, you can always find us as a podcast. If you missed the live show, all you got to do is search for the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Wherever you listen to podcasts, you'll find us there. You can listen to a show you missed. You can go back and listen to an old segment, whatever you want to do. They are there for you. And no matter if you're with us live each day on the Big X or you listen on demand via podcast, we're just glad to have you with us to spread a little light on uh, Southern Indiana sports and to talk IU basketball foot and football here each weekday uh, at 11 a.m. Let's get to our first guest today, Cole Hewitt, a Providence sophomore who a few weeks ago committed to the University of Virginia. He's a standout baseball player, had a great freshman year for the Pioneers this past season. Cole, welcome to the show and congratulations on your big decision. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you for having me. Cole, let's talk about why Virginia is the choice for you. Uh, what what made Virginia your school of choice? Was there something that stood out with the coaching staff or the campus? I believe it's kind of a destination that you've always wanted to have or w where you wanted to be. Yeah, for sure. Um, the coaching staff is unbelievable. Coach Mack and Coach O'Connor uh, really just helped me and guided me with baseball. Um, they gave me tips. Um, they really looked out for me, one of the best of me. And uh, the campus, the academics is really good. Um, so, yeah, this Virginia was a great fit for me to be. To be. I'm just glad I can be a part of it. Oh, that's great stuff. Uh, how does it feel? You're just a sophomore. You had a great freshman year for Providence. Providence has a terrific baseball program, and now you've already got your college decision out of the way. That's something that some student athletes don't figure out until late in their senior year at some time. But you can now focus on becoming the best high school baseball player possible and helping Providence to a lot of success in the future. How does it feel to have that decision done and to be able to focus on those other things? Yeah, it feels, uh, it feels great to have that, but I still have to work. Um, I still have to keep pushing myself to my limits. Um, I'm not done yet. I'm going to keep pushing to be a, the best player I can be. Uh, and, yeah, just a lot of hard work put into that. So, yeah. Um, Cole Hewitt of Providence is our guest. Cole just committed to Virginia a few weeks ago. You had an outstanding freshman year for Providence. I think it's safe to say in many ways you were the best hitter on the team. You played a couple different positions for Providence over the course of the season. Uh, were you surprised at yourself and your own abilities to have such a good freshman year or because of how hard you've worked and all the baseball that you've played to this point, did you expect to come in and be able to contribute that big as a freshman? Um, to be honest, yeah, um, I feel like all the work that I put in, um, the results are going to show either way, um, would have helped my team out to win and do the best that we could. Um, so I just wanted to make sure that I could help my team out in any way possible. Absolutely. Now, Cole, I know that baseball is something since a young age you've taken very seriously and put a lot of time into both individually with your work and playing travel baseball and uh, different things over the years. Uh, how much time do you put into the sport, not just during the season, but year round? I know you're playing travel ball. You're, you're probably doing lessons of, of some sort. Uh, what, what's baseball like year round for Cole Hewitt? Yeah, so summer typically play every single weekend of the summer, traveling 
everywhere we can. Um, and then we'll play some fall tournaments. Um, and then from winter to spring, I'm probably working on baseball at least two, two to three hours a day after I get home, um, lifting, eating right, eating healthy, um, focusing on my swing and arm strength and all of that. So, uh, yeah, uh, just trying to better myself in the off season to be my best uh, player. Absolutely. That's Cole Hewitt. He's a Providence sophomore who recently committed to the University of Virginia, the latest Division I commitment in Southern Indiana baseball. You know, Cole, I know you're a younger guy, but you're familiar with some of these names that have played ahead of you in our area and how good Providence has been in some of the other area schools as well. And how many guys from some of these local schools have went on to play Division I baseball? We've got a good handful of them right now that are at some level of minor league baseball ball as well do you kind of see how good this area is and do you use that for motivation to better yourself so you can become one of those players some years from now yeah for sure um looking at those players for example timmy borden um from our my area um and just want to be be the person from this community uh to reach the next level and continue playing even as high as I possibly can, if that's the MLB. Um, so Jack can inspire younger kids to be like me. Yeah, good stuff. Cole Hewitt, my guest here in this first segment of our Tuesday program. I mentioned last year you were a big hitter for Providence, even as a freshman. Also, you played a couple different positions, I believe, over the course of the season. Looking back on the good year you had, what would you say your role was? And uh, tell us the different positions you played over the course of the season for the Pioneers. Yeah, so uh, my role was basically to get on to start things out for Providence, to get things going, um, to be that guy to um, start the team and lead the team, to rally up, um, to uh, do the best we can. Um, yeah, so just really try to be the first step forward of our team to do the best we could. All right, Cole Hewitt of Providence. Cole, it's late September. We're in the middle of football season, and basketball is just around the corner. So we've got some time for you to continue your work in the off season between now and the start of high school baseball. But how excited are you to begin your sophomore year of baseball? Um, I'm so excited. Um, I'm excited for the team that we have. I'm excited to work um, to get better, for our team to get better, and just to strive and hopefully win state this year. All right, great stuff. Cole Hewitt, congratulations, Cole, to you on a big decision. You're going to be a lot of fun to follow here over the next few years uh, with Providence Baseball. While I've got you, uh, how about the big win by Coach McDonald and the football pioneers on Friday? That had to be excited to cheer on some of your classmates to uh, a huge victory for Providence. Yeah, that was a a big win. Um, The team just played really well. Um, I feel like we did our job out there, and it was very exciting to watch. All right, great stuff. Cole, again, congratulations to you and your family, and I'm sure that we'll catch up again here in the future. But uh, a big decision, and congrats to you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Cole Hewitt, our guest. Kind of a tradition uh, we try to have on 
all of the Division I players in the area when commitments are made. Uh, I remember talking with Tucker Biven of New Albany. He had not yet began high school. He was in the summer uh, going into his freshman year at New Albany when he committed to the University of Louisville. And talking with Cole today, he just began his sophomore year. It's amazing in recruiting, especially in baseball, how young everything begins and really how young nowadays college commitments take place. It's really just amazing. So Cole, the latest in a long ongoing string of a division one level college baseball players here in the area. And it's going to be a lot of fun to watch him. There's some other really good talent in the area right now. Uh, we have been spoiled from a baseball perspective with how good some of our local teams have been. Silver Creek, Providence, Jeffersonville, New Albany, Floyd Central immediately come to mind that have all been state championship good here in recent years. And some of those teams have, have won state championships and been to state championship games. So nice to have Cole with us and to hear from a young man that has a very bright future here in our area. I mentioned that IU announced yesterday beer sales will begin October 7th at Hoosier Hysteria and of course for the men's and women's basketball seasons. That's a big change for Assembly Hall. We'll talk with Mike Schumann coming up in the next uh, segment about that decision from IU and from Athletic Director Scott Dolson. Also the latest in IU basketball. There's a lot to get to. Indiana continues to be projected as a Big Ten favorite as some of the preseason publications come out. We'll We'll recap the IU-Western Kentucky game and turn the page as well. Start to preview IU-Cincinnati for Saturday. All later in the show, stay with us. You're listening to a Tuesday edition of the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. You know, a basketball hero around here is treated like a god. I mean, I Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. You know, most people would kill to be treated like a god just for a few moments. Here's Matt Dennison. All right, we're back here on this Tuesday program. Mike Schumann of the Daily Hoosier is always with us in this segment. We talk IU football, basketball, and more. And Mike does great work. You can check him out at thedailyhoosier.com. Also a good follow on Twitter, at daily underscore Hoosier as well. Mike, uh, we've got football, basketball. we got lots to talk about today, but I think I want to start talking about beer, beer sales at Assembly Hall. It's hard to believe that uh, IU, after some previous announcements, uh, an official beer with Molson Coors and then soccer being added into the fold along with football and some other sports where uh, there are beer sales. It's happened quick. Now it's going to be at basketball starting less than three weeks from now at Hoosier Hysteria. Yeah, we are here. Scott Dolson hinted that this was coming a little while ago, I guess a few weeks ago, right before the football season started. I think they really liked the results that they were getting at football games. They rolled it out to baseball, softball, men's and women's soccer, and really didn't have any you know, bad outcomes or anything. So I think they're going <laughs> to see what happens for a, a basketball game, which is definitely a different atmosphere you know indoors very up close very personal uh, very heated uh, intense 
uh, scenario. So I guess we'll see if the uh, the uh, feedback and the uh, outcomes that they've had and the outdoor sports carries over to basketball. It's obviously it's not anything completely unprecedented. It's been going on at other schools and pro sports and whatnot. So it's I don't think it's altogether that big of a deal, but it's it's just been something that's been out there. For a long time, I can remember, you know, when I was in college, kind of learning that, hey, they, they don't sell alcohol at these games and thinking that was very strange. And obviously that held up for a very long time. Yeah, no question. You know, IU is a school of tradition. And I know each and every college and university has certain traditions with its sports and otherwise. But does this signal this and maybe a few other smaller changes that Scott Dolson, who's got a deep-rooted history to IU basketball and to the athletic department in Bloomington, does this signal that he is a uh, agent of change and modernization and willing to take some risks that maybe previous ADs and leaders would not at Indiana, fearing maybe some uh, retaliation, I shouldn't say retaliation, fearing maybe some blowback from big donors or season ticket holders? Yeah, I mean, I think it does, but I, I don't think it's some, you know, major sea change in the the way fans are going to experience IU athletics. I mean, I, I think most people know Scott is a former IU basketball manager. He, he grew up in the program, and he's been involved with IU athletics ever since. So he's got a unique perspective, um, you know, while he he understands kind of the the dynamics that are changing in college sports, he also has an appreciation for what things are just non-negotiable for IU basketball fans. So I think he's trying to kind of navigate that middle ground, keeping IU basketball modern, keeping it relevant, but also not touching the things that would really set off the fan base. I mean, I, I saw reactions to the news yesterday where a lot of people were bothered by it or upset about it or you know bobby would never let this happen that kind of stuff that you expect but but i don't think it's like a deal breaker with with that crowd it's just you know kind of an eye roll maybe a little bit of frustration but you know i don't i don't think seeing a beer at an iu basketball game is going to cause anybody to to give up their season tickets and and move on Mike Schumann, the Daily Hoosier, joining us here, talking about beer sales coming to Assembly Hall, starting with Hoosier Hysteria on October 7. Let's get into football now. Uh, IU football with uh, what I would consider a very lucky uh, comeback on Saturday, a very narrow win over Western Kentucky. And the Hoosiers, I know there's plenty of maybe criticisms or things we could talk about, not in a good light, about uh, IU football and concerns as they you know get back into Big Ten competition soon. But you've got to hand it to them. They have had their backs against the wall the last two weeks. And somehow, some way, they have found a way to win. Yeah, kind of, kind of the opposite of how they were a year ago, um, where they were finding ways to lose it in second half. But this year, they've consistently been a second half team, or at least a you know a late game closing team uh, here all, all three games really. And it, it's really strange to be three weeks into a season and not really feel like you have a good handle on just what this team is all about. I think most people would probably still be in the, you know, unsure kind of doubting category at this point, even though the team's three and oh, just because, you know, they're every game, there was a point in all three games, even Idaho, where you're thinking they're, they're going to lose this thing. (laughs) 
and it's, you know, they, they have found a way. Um, I think a big part of it, you know, we talked all the way back into the summer that you got to have a quarterback and, and Connor Basilak has not been consistent, but he's been consistently good at the end of games or in, in second halves. Um, he, he has a lot of composure. Uh, I, and I think that's key. I mean, I, I think you can't have a quarterback that gets rattled. You can't have a quarterback that freezes up in key moments. Um, so even if he is a little bit inconsistent at times, he, he seems to be consistent at the, the right time, which has really been part of the story. Um, now, obviously things are going to change here dramatically. The, you know, in my opinion, Illinois is a good team. Um, I, I think the, their season will prove that out, but otherwise, you know, how good is Idaho or Western Kentucky? I, I always find it interesting. Um, it's probably my biases coming in into play but like sitting here right now i think it's going to be interesting to track idaho and western kentucky they seemed like good teams but i don't know if that's me like overestimating how good i think indiana is um so it'll be interesting to watch their seasons play out and where they end up but undeniably looking forward starting with a road game at a very good cincinnati team this weekend the uh the caliber competition steps up significantly and with that indiana is going to have to find a way to, to start games better and play more consistently throughout um you know odds makers don't believe that they can do that i was a little bit stunned i don't know about you but you know seeing indiana as a more than two touchdown underdog at least uh going into to saturday um you know, against the Cincinnati team that I think is good, but not as good as last year. And Indiana last year kind of dominated Cincinnati in the first half. So, um, you know, college football is very interesting right now. There's there's a, a lot of, you know, what I would say leveling of the playing field with the transfer portal. And, and I don't think we know as much as we think we know. And I think games are going to be a lot closer than we expect. So I think we're, we're in that still in that mode of figuring out who teams are and even as Closely as we follow Indiana, I think we're still figuring out who the heck they are. Yeah, I agree. And one of the things I wanted to mention today, I mean, as you go back and look at some of the key plays and key moments from all the games this season, really it's been new guys for Indiana that have stepped up in some of these key moments. Transfers, some freshmen. Uh, I know we've talked about a lot of the guys individually over the first few weeks of the season, but some new faces for IU football this year have really helped key the, the Hoosiers to wins. There's absolutely no doubt about that, especially on the offensive side. You know, we talked about Bazelak, but, you know, the the top two running backs have both been transfers. Uh, Cam Camper, a Juco transfer, has been the the top guy from a receiving standpoint. You know, DJ Matthews is in his second year, but he was also a transfer. That That's your main two uh, wide receivers. So, yeah, a lot of change, um, but it's so far it's worked out. Um, on on that side of the football um again you know new offensive coordinator there as well so is some of the uh, inconsistency with that whole group you know all the transfers and the 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 new offense is that in part just you know guys just getting comfortable and figuring out things kind of on the fly they don't get all that much time together as a complete staff and a complete team over the, the spring and summer so there is some kind of ongoing aspect to that. So we'll, we'll see if that, you know, if they can clean that up mid season, but, but you're absolutely right. You know, it, 
the transfer portal brings a whole new dynamic to the game. Um, it, I, as I mentioned, I think it does level some things out, but, but you gotta, you actually have to, you know, identify people and be right in your assessments and, and what is a very short and relatively tight time frame to, to make assessments, you know, you know, are they a fit for your culture or, you know, why, why are they looking to transfer? What, why didn't they, player why didn't they fit as well at their prior stop you got to make all those assessments on the fly it's a much shorter time window than recruiting I think one thing Tom Allen has done is you know he's gone back to people that he tried to get out of high school uh, including Basilak and and some others uh, where he's already kind of got that trust he's already kind of got the understanding of what this kid's about who what his family's about and, and I think that's proved beneficial when you talk about guys that have you know, come in from the outside and had an immediate impact. Mike Schumann of the Daily Hoosier is my guest. We got to talk about Charles Campbell. You had a piece uh, on this on the dailyhoosier.com, but you know, he was struggled uh, against Idaho. I don't think there's any question about that. And he came back against Western Kentucky, four field goals on Saturday, including the game winner and walk-off style for him against WKU. So a uh, big effort. He was named Big Ten Special Teams Player of the Week for his great performance, but uh, not always uh, a kicker uh, we're talking about here on the show, but uh, Campbell's performance, and really more than just his performance, but his rebound from a week ago I thought was uh, was really outstanding. Yeah, I got to give my guy Patrick Felch, who's a media school intern, credit. He he was there with Campbell after the game and uh, got a quote from him about Camp Campbell was pretty open and said Tom Allen actually I don't know if threatens the right word, but he basically told him after you know missing some kicks in practice and then missing a couple of kicks in Idaho, he basically told him, "Look, your job's not safe. I'm not afraid to bench you," um, which <laughs> when you know, I was in the editor's chair on Saturday after the game, and, and I read what Patrick wrote that quote, and I called him. I was like, <laughs> I wasn't sure that he actually said it. I was like, are you sure that Allen said this to a kicker? You know, especially a, a fifth-year guy that, that's played a ton and put up a really good resume at Indiana. Um, but, but in fact, he did. You know, Campbell was very open and shared that. You know, it's interesting psychology with a kicker. Like, you can see, you know, a linebacker saying, hey, I'm not afraid to bench you. But a kicker, you know, kickers are different guys altogether, and you don't want to mess with their psyche too much. But Allen wasn't afraid to say that to him, and he got the, the, the right response uh, a week later. You know, as you mentioned, four four field goals, the, the game winner. That man, there was that was just a no doubter in, in walk off fashion. So, uh, you know, with all these games being crazy like this, with with everything else going on, you, you got to have a kicker that you can rely on too. And Indiana seems to have that at, at least in crunch time. Mike Schumann, the Daily Hoosier, my guest. Mike, we got to flip to basketball, and we'll start with a non-really direct IU topic. Uh, but there is a report out there from The Athletic that the NBA and the Players Association uh, have agreed on moving the age eligibility for the NBA draft from 19 years old down to 18 years old. That move could happen and go into effect as soon as the 2024 NBA draft, so very soon. What could this do as far as how would it change recruiting and college basketball what's your initial take on that age coming back down as far as nba eligibility 
Well, I think there's there's two aspects to it. If it does actually happen, I think uh, Woj from ESPN yesterday tried to, to walk back what was reported by the Athletic a little bit. So it's not clear if they're going to lower the age, but still say you got to be a year removed from high school or how exactly that plays out. But it, but if in fact they do go back to the the former era that that brought us LeBron and Kobe straight from high school. Um, you know, I think there's two aspects. I think Indiana, you know, if it does take place with the 2024 class, if you look at who they've offered and they are recruiting in that class, it is a bunch of guys that potentially fit in that category of just going straight to the NBA. So it, it probably is already forcing a kind of a reevaluation of, you know, how much time do we want to spend on a kid that we don't know for sure is ever going to play a second in college. And that was kind of already kind of evolving with, with kind of things like the overtime elite and, and other, you know, options for players. But, you know, obviously the, the NBA is the golden ticket and, you know, the one that kids will take much more seriously, but, but the other thing that's changed at the same time is NIL and, and guys maybe who would have you know taken a risk and, and gone to the NBA before they were ready, you know, back 10, 15 years ago. If they can make good money at college, it probably causes them to say, okay, I'm probably not ready. I can spend another year or two in college and not take that chance because the, the NBA draft is – Oh, it's just kind of a one-time thing unless they change the way that works as well. So, so uh, there's a lot of dynamics at play, but then, then there's the big picture aspect too, is, you know, what does it really do for, for Indiana in the overall scheme of things? I'm not sure about that. Cause you know, you think about Duke and Kentucky and North Carolina as being the, the schools that really got those guys that were right there on that fringe of being NBA ready at a high school, if if they don't get those guys, do they kind of drop down to that next tier of, you know, guys that are probably two to three years in a program ranked, you know, 20th to 50th nationally. Um, the, the, that's kind of been the sweet spot of college basketball recruiting here for the last, you know, as, as long as one and done has been a thing. Um, you know, schools like Villanova and Gonzaga have emerged in that sweet spot. And so it'll be interesting to Kentucky and Duke to kind of drop down and start getting those kids and, and maybe even experience a little bit more success. And if they do, uh, you know, where, where does that leave Indiana? I think those are interesting questions to follow and hard, hard to really anticipate with all the different moving pieces right now. Yeah, it's amazing. This uh, announcement or rumor uh, about the NBA age and then, of course, the transfer portal and uh, just completely changing what we know of college basketball recruiting and uh, roster formation and so much more. It's going to be interesting to follow all of this and see where we're at uh, five years from now. Maybe what other changes happen between now and five or ten years from now. But definitely I think we'll look back on these few years as a very changing time in college uh, athletics and college hoops specifically. Mike, uh, another day, another good headline for Indiana. As I was looking at your website uh, earlier today, the Hoosiers uh, mentioned by Joth- John Rothstein, who's a college basketball analyst that I enjoy uh, following as a dark horse for the Final Four this season. Lindy's has also, that publication has also projected Indiana to win the Big Ten, and there are many others that have, and probably uh, lots of others that will. It's almost like a couple times a week, uh, one of these headlines, I think, 
gets people even more excited for the upcoming season with the good news that's out there surrounding this team right now. So uh, just another another day, another dollar, you could say, good projections for IU basketball all the way around. Yeah, and I, I certainly don't share every single one of them that comes out, but when when somebody talks about the final four in Indiana being a dark horse for that, I think it's worth mentioning because I, you know, obviously that is the ultimate goal and it's been such a long time since Indiana has been there. You know, the guys that were on the, the 2002 team are, are now guys that are into their forties. So it, it really puts things into perspective in terms of how long it's been. Um, and I, I do, you know, I, I, I don't agree that Indiana is a Final Four team, but I do agree with the characterization of them as a dark horse. Um, you know, just because you know that they're a team that only went twenty-one and fourteen and only saved their season last year because they they kind of found something in a few games in March, but at the same time they they showed something and they have just about everybody back. I think in Rothstein's piece, he said 90% of their scoring, which I hadn't seen it quantified it in that way, um, which I think is just significant. You know, going back to the, the earlier point in this day of a, a day and age of college basketball where everything changes, rosters turn over at an unbelievable clip. Um, Indiana has a constant, and they have a good feel going back to March in, in those games. So, you know, it's not clear that they can just, you know, flip a switch and be that team every game, game in and game out. But when you factor in the fact, you know, the fact that they just did it and that they have a very good recruiting class, including, you know, I, I just keep hearing great things about Jalen Huchifino. Um, I, I won't be surprised at this point if he's a day one starter. I'm always reluctant to, to talk about that, you know, at this stage and to put too much weight into freshmen. Uh, but but I think he is a guy that whether he starts or not, he's going to have a major major impact. I'm I'm looking forward to uh, this Thursday. We get a chance to to talk to you know Coach Woodson and the entire team. So it'll be very uh, telling to get some feedback on on what they're seeing from from Hood Shafino and really the entire freshman class because this is just that period of un, great unknowns where you don't. You know what you think you're going to get from guys, but you, you don't know until you know and you see them on the floor. So we'll get some insights into that this week. Mike, I saw on Big Ten Network during the IU Western Kentucky game, there was a shot of the crowd. Trace Jackson Davis was featured, but around him appeared to be Jalen Harrelson of Fishers and Trent Sicily of Heritage Hills, two big names in the 2025 recruiting class. Indiana's after those guys. It seems like most of the Big Ten is after those guys, to be quite honest. But I thought probably good news early on to show Indiana's position that those guys back on campus again and hanging out with one of the best players in college hoops for the upcoming season. Yeah, I mean, they are just early in their sophomore year of high school, so you never want to put too much into to what they might be thinking from a college standpoint. But I guess the way I would characterize it at this point is, you know, I don't think Indiana could be doing any better in terms of, you know, a mutual level of interest. I mean, I, I, I'm starting to lose count. I know that they both took unofficials in August. I know they were both at IU's team camp in June. Um, I know that they are coming back here in a couple of weeks for Hoosier Hysteria, as well as both coming for the North Carolina game. 
at the end of November. So, it, you know, the, the, the mutual interest being shown uh, is clear. You know, Indiana's had their entire staff down, uh, up to Fishers to visit with Harrelson on the first day that they could do it on this recruiting period that's going on right now. Uh, they were back down at Heritage Hills to visit Sicily last week. So they're doing everything they can, and I think the, the interest is being reciprocated. Um, but these these are top 50 national kids that are going to enjoy, you know, a ton of attention from a ton of impressive programs. So they're going to have to maintain this for, you know, at least a year, probably two years uh, to, to close with these kids. And, you know, again, we'll, we'll keep saying that things are changing so fast. Who the heck knows where, where things are at in two years from now. All right, Mike Schumann, the Daily Hoosier with me. Mike, one other topic I wanted to bring up with you today. Last night in Bloomington, uh, there was an IU NIL mixer, Community Connect mixer, I think is how it was officially worded. There were over 30 businesses there uh, to just kind of meet and greet with players and see what opportunities are there both ways for players to uh, represent their business and do a little promotional work or come to some sort of agreement where uh, there's a services deal and, and the player makes some money. Uh, so I thought an interesting setup. I know other schools have done this as well. Indiana can't facilitate the deals necessarily for its student athletes, but they can sure help structure and organize some events that make it easy for businesses to connect with, with student athletes. And this is across all sports. This is not just men's basketball, but I thought last night it looked to be a well-attended event. I saw a couple stories on it, but I thought an interesting take on NIL, the school kind of helping get businesses together to uh, allow student athletes some interaction time directly with those that maybe want to spend some money and pay them something. Yeah, I, I thought it was a really interesting event as well, really well-thought-out concept. I, I think if I heard right, it, it came from student-athletes in terms of, you know, as you mentioned, not necessarily like the, the more prestigious names that, that you hear, but some of the uh, like uh, other sports that don't get as much attention but deserve it. And I think a lot of the businesses were, were more of the, the local Bloomington variety or, or Southern Indiana variety. And so, it, it, yeah, just, just a really neat concept. There, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on with the NIL. I don't know if people realize, like, the, the IU football team just started their own website, basically, where people can subscribe to the website and get, you know, connect with players, get, you know, uh, exclusive content. Um, on that, there, there's a storefront where you can, you know, do a bunch of different things with, with athletes across all the sports, like, you know, ha have them, you know, do like cameo appearances and podcast appearances and, and that kind of stuff. There's, there's a, a merchandise storefront as well. At least it's coming. I don't know if it's actually out yet. So there are so many different layers and angles to, to NIL. Most of it, most of the stuff we're talking about right here is more kind of what I thought NIL was going to be when it first was approved more actually an athlete connecting with a business or actually having their name image and likeness used the, the collective stuff has always been a little murky to me. You know, I think Hoosiers for good is doing some really nice stuff, connecting athletes with, with charities, but, but this stuff we're talking about here is a little bit more what I thought it was going to be. And, 
and probably a little bit more beneficial to, to the, the athletes that maybe don't get as much press as, as men's basketball. So what, a lot of neat stuff going on. And, and uh, again, <laughs> how many times are we going to say it on this segment? Just fascinating to, to see the, the twists and turns of college sports right now. Yeah, absolutely. It's amazing. I think each day I could have a show on IU and the off-the-court stuff that's changing, transfer portal, NBA rules, recruiting, NIL, as much as we can, talking about things happening on the field or on the court. You're right. It's just an amazing time, really, uh, in uh, in college athletics these days. Mike Schumann of the Daily Hoosier, kind enough to join us Mondays, uh, Tuesdays, excuse me, here on the program. Uh, Mike, great chat today, and uh, thanks for all you do. We'll talk with you again next week. Thanks, Matt. Always enjoy it. All right, Mike Schumann with us here on Tuesdays. We'll head to a commercial break. Somebody sent me a photo. Jawan Howard, the Michigan coach in Kokomo, Indiana, recently to see Flory Badunga. Yes, Indiana has been to some of his early fall practices as well to check in, but he's another in-state guy along with Harrelson and Sicily that is continuing to blow up Michigan and many others interested in Badunga in Kokomo. We'll head to a commercial break. We're back to recap high school football from Friday night and more as we wrap up this Tuesday edition of the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You f***ed it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. All right, back with you here on this Tuesday program. Thank you so much for joining us. We do this each weekday at 11 a.m. Got to talk some high school football from Friday. I'm guilty of telling you that I felt confident Charlestown, after some of its early season wins, it started with a big one over Silver Creek that let us know the Pirates were for real. Then they go on the road. They went on the road to Brownstown and won convincingly 30-13. to At that moment, I felt sure that Charlestown uh, had a very legitimate chance to run the table and finish the regular season undefeated as they entered sectional 32 play in Class 2A. Boy, was I wrong. Providence is for real, even with some injuries. They're quarterback out. The Pioneers found a way on Friday not only to win the game but to get off to a terrific start and build a big lead which gave them some comfort as they moved into a second half which got much closer and competitive. But Providence 4-0 and with a statement-like win for third-year coach Daniel McDonald. I know there's a lot of excited Providence football fans right now and I think Providence moves into the position here in the area now especially with them dropping down to sectional 48 in class 1A as a team from our area that could maybe really have success in the postseason and win a sectional. So a huge victory for Providence 
35-28, a, a really a thrilling, I think, finish to that ball game. Uh, but Providence is for real. And uh, what can they do the rest of the season? They've got at Holy Cross and Louisville coming up on Friday night. They go at Milan, another 1A foe to end out September. Corden at home. Really, their next big challenge, I think, is North Harrison on the road, North Harrison is a solid team and uh, one of the top teams in the Mid-Southern Conference that if you look at records and uh, bigger schools and who could match up with Providence, I think North Harrison uh, will be a big challenge and that's their last game of the regular season. So all eyes on Providence now as far as the undefeated record as we head into the back half of September and of course the regular season in football, high school football, mid-October is the final Friday night of the regular season. Then we get into sectional action and it won't be too long from now. We'll have sectional pairings to break down and discuss, but there's no question. Providence's win over the weekend uh, was a, a huge upset. In my opinion, a big win for Providence. The Charlestown still a really good team did not play well. According to some that are familiar, very familiar with Charlestown on Friday, but nonetheless, you can't take anything away from Providence uh, and such a big victory from them on Friday. Charlestown now 4-1 and one on the season. Also on Friday night, Clarksville went to Easter or hosted Eastern Green and was a big winner, 41-6 in that game. The rivalry game between Jeffersonville and Floyd Central uh, went the Highlanders' way. They win 28-14 in that contest. Now Jeffersonville has two interesting games coming up. They will play Silver Creek on Friday, then the following week, they will also host New Albany. Uh, that's another big rivalry game for the Red Devils. New Albany uh, lost their game uh, 42-7 as they hosted Columbus East on Friday night. The Bulldogs now just 1-4 and four on the season. And uh, Silver Creek, uh, another win. They kind of quietly are riding the ship. They are now 3-2 and two on the season. They defeated Scottsburg 35-21 on Friday night in high school football. That's going to wrap up things for this Tuesday edition of the program. Don't forget, if you missed the live show, you can always locate us as a podcast. Basically, anywhere you listen to podcasts, you'll find us. All you got to do is search for the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison, and you'll find us there. And uh, you can uh, catch up with us on demand. And we'll be back with you Wednesday and every day this week. We'll get set for the IU-Cincinnati game coming up on Saturday. That's going to be a tough one for Indiana. Indiana, as Mike Schumann said a little earlier, the big underdog in that game. There's no question about that when the early lines came out this week. Have a great Tuesday. Back with you Wednesday. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. <laughs>